When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey. Hey. What'd you think? About what? Did, did you get my text? Oh. Hey, welcome back, listeners, faithful listeners. Thank you for joining us again this week on Did You Get My Text? I'm Pat Oswald. I'm Meredith Salinger. And we have two fantastic guests today. Old friends of mine, friends of Meredith, uh, welcoming into the studio, uh, Amy Mann and Michael Penn. Yay! Say hello. Yay! Hello. Hello. After Thanks, that guys. introduction, you're you're getting two of the most reticent, yeah. exactly. <laughs> introverted. No, I knew to, I knew to go over the top with it because then we go. Oh yeah, hi. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. They're very Great. calm. They're very mellow. They're very yeah. cool. I'm. Oh my god. And gorgeous people. I'm like the mom at like Thanksgiving dinner that the two goth nieces and nephews have shown up, and she's like, "So they just got back from college. Why don't you guys talk about what you did?" Run some bucks on. Okay, well, let's get some cranberry sauce, everybody. <laughs> Just trying to get everything going. Um, so actually, um, some uh, weird, beautiful um, life story parallels between uh, Meredith and I and Amy and Michael. Amy, of course, uh, uh, grew up in Virginia. Yep. Uh, uh, and then met her true love when she met a, a boy from Malibu. And I grew up in Virginia, and I met my true love when I met a girl from Malibu. So there's a lot Look of, there's a little parallel. East Coast meets West Coast. East Coast meets West Coast. That's right. Hayseed meets Groofy <laughs> Surf. That's, that's, that's not no, Michael. No, no, no. That Michael was not Michael is the only, yeah, only, the only kid in Malibu who just stayed in his room. <laughs> I didn't stay played, in my room, but I, I, but I never went to the beach. Really? Yeah, no surfing. No. That no that surfing. whole scene was just not for me. Wow. No. So there was no there was no way that you or Meredith would ever run into each other like on the beach. Not on the beach, no. She was a beach girl. I was a beach girl. Yeah. I no. remember I took I had a tennis teacher and my mom would drop me off at, for tennis lessons and then at one point the tennis teacher was also a big surfer and he's like, The surf's really good today. And I was like, Okay. And he's like, Do you think your mom will get mad? I was like, I don't know. So we went to the beach and we went surfing. And then yeah. he, we came back at the end of the lesson and my mom Well, I think I think the surf surf culture was probably pretty different on different parts. Parts of the coast, like like the South Coast, probably had a different scene. The Malibu, the Malibu surf crowd was was like jocks who just tortured people from the valley that would come there to surf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh. there'd be there was so much graffiti that was like Valley Go Home. Yeah, oh yeah. It was all what? Oh my oh, yeah. god! I wow. didn't know that. I grew up. And with there was graffiti Rival on gangs. the wall right near my house, Rival and it was like Valley gangs. Go Home. And I, and I remember when I moved to the Valley, I was like, Oh God. My I, most my uh, the thing I'm most proud of regarding the beach and and my youth was Sean was a real beach culture guy, mm-hmm. and he was down there surfing all the time. And I convinced him to when he caught a wave, start using the term Jubilee. 
like it was a great wave. And he was he would get a wave and he'd go, Jubilee! And, and within it, a month... It, the culture it, spread? Yeah. It spread. I think... Uh, uh, re- you were responsible for a meme. I guess an early <laughs> meme. You, you invented yeah. an early meme. Yeah. Well, it was an early like, wooden meme. It wouldn't meme. <laughs> it goes into the vernacular. I know that um, Questlove was starting um, John and Ish. It's like, you'd say... Uh, oh. Like ish, like oh look at that shit, look at that or ish he instead of shit, ish. and then like John, like a joint, like Spike Lee said it's a Spike Lee joint, mm-hmm. and Questlove would like say it's a John, and then like that's now in the vernacular because mm-hmm. the oh, cool yeah. people started it. <laughs> the cool people, you're one of the cool you're people the cool that people. did it. Yeah. He that's, was behind the scenes. He was yeah. behind the scenes, pulling the strings, right. pulling the puppet wow. strings of surf culture. Um, so, and but it's also been really interesting. Uh, the other guests that we've had, it, they we all have the same, and you guys too have the same kind of philosophy about the creative arts and art and doing it, which is the pursuit is just start hanging out in the world and start absorbing it, and it just begins to happen. Yeah, because that's kind of you both had very similar paths. I mean. Michael, you grew up around showbiz. I mean, speaking of uh, creating memes, uh, your father was Leo Penn, mm-hmm. uh, d- uh, d- actor, director, who had a hand in inventing, and now I'm going to say it correctly because, oh, my God, the pushback we got when I said it wrong, the Vulcan uh, nerve pinch. Nerve pinch, yes. I called it a death pinch. Oh, on no. a, and oh dear. Oh, that. he got flack for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, there's not even such a thing as a death yeah. pinch. The Vulcans yeah. will not kill, first of all. Uh, so, but yeah, it, and so that that was that, oh, contributing to the That's right. The culture. That's right. Well, well, Leonid Nimoy, by the way, Ukrainian. Was he? Really? Wow. That makes sense. That tracks. I do also shout out to you, you being on the scene and a part of the invention of the Spicoli character who Oh, was, not part of the invention, but observing well, no, ob- observing where observing it came that, from. Yeah, because it was a friend, a it mutual a friend guy. of yours yeah, and, he was and doing Sean. A specific yeah. Oh, he was doing a, a uh, gut. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. Yeah. So you saw, again, you saw it form and <laughs> then... Right. I'm like Forrest Gump. <laughs> you, you just, you've been there, man. Um, so how, what uh, exact, I know that you've probably talked about this in a million interviews, but I just, how did you guys specifically meet? I've heard the story, but I don't know all the, de- where, where did you meet? How did you meet? How did you fall in love? I'm going to go get some food. Just talk for an hour. I'll be back. Go. <laughs> Uh, well, we met. Uh, there was a producer that I was going to use, who Michael had worked with, and and Michael was playing a show in Boston, oh. and so I wanted to talk to him about his experience with this producer. So we met. We went to a Thai restaurant. That was my memory, right. and then you know years sort of passed. I mean, I yeah, I saw you a few times. Yeah, um, but uh, we had then, sort of a friendly acquaintance. But yeah, and then you were with someone. You yeah. married that person, and then you know there was like a marriage and divorce, and yeah. then and at that point I was back in Los Angeles to work on a record, and, and I um, went to see you at a club. Yeah, so we just started hanging around because yeah. we were both. Um, I was staying with a friend of mine. We were we were both. Out of relationships and determined to never again ever be in a relationship. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that's how it always goes. Yeah, yeah that was a real, exactly. we were like, yeah. that's what we had in common. <laughs> yeah. And we were also, it was sort of, um, the the record I was working on was taking forever, and it was over the holidays. So there was a Thanksgiving and, and Christmas that I was in Los Angeles, and the guy I was staying with was a producer. He didn't really have family, so... So he and his assistant and a couple of other friends and Michael and I, you know, put together 
uh, you know, uh, Orphan Christmas. Yeah, Orphan Christmas, Orphan Thanksgiving. Oh, so I've we done spend a, a lot of, of time. Yeah. yeah, those are always more fun. Yeah. They are. So, you know, you're yeah. sort of thrown together in this holiday no time offense, and creating this little mini family. <laughs> so yeah, that's oh, how that's it happened. So sweet. Yeah. And then so and and your paths were similar in that you were just sort of you you had grown up in Virginia. I I remember you showed me that the yearbook. You went to a very Progressive artistic high school. Yeah, my senior year, I went to open high school. Yeah, no walls, man. 140 (laughs) students. Yeah, exactly. No walls. There was like two rooms in a kind of an office building. Smoking a lot. This janky office building. (laughs) And we audited a lot of classes at the local, at the Virginia Commonwealth University. So, you know, or there would be classes in in somebody's house. You're in high school, but you get to audit your own, or just, I just want to go study this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I remember taking a drama class, a German class, an Italian class, and and you know, or there would be tiny little classes in somebody's house. Um, Why did you choose German? I always wanted to learn German. I don't know. Didn't you play a German spy or something? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, a A German German nihilist in 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 Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. That's right. I loved you. That came in handy. Are you? Were you in that scene? Are you? It, my, his girlfriend lost her toe. So, are you a member of the band, or you're the guy's girlfriend? You're. I'm. Well, there's or maybe like the guy's these, her boyfriend. There's like four. Well, he, I, uh, there oh. was not a lot of backstory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know why did they? They're nihilists. That's all I know. Right. Yeah. It is weird how each musician in the in the movie suffers increasing levels of violence. There are three musicians: you, Flea, and um, the guy who plays Smokey, who's a Guitarist, I'm blank on his name. The guy who plays Smokey, who is a musician, gets a gun pulled on him. You get your toe cut off, mm-hmm. and Flea gets hit in the nuts with a bowling ball. Right. So the musicians in the movie all get hurt. I know a little bit of a <laughs> hostility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of weirdness right there. Yeah. But so then you from from Virginia, did you go to you went to the Berkeley School of Music in Boston? Yeah, or? Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And then and then you just started. Gigging around, like that's yeah. where it happened. Yeah, just playing, you know, started a band, you know, kind of like this punk art rock trio. Mm-hmm. It's terrible, terrible. Like, <laughs> what were they noise, called? Uh, the Young Snakes. The Young, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, no, I, very noisy. Yes. Yeah, I have, I, I believe I still have that vinyl somewhere. That is hilarious. Fantastic. Really, I want to hear that's that. That's really hilarious. Yes. Oh, it is, it is the most, it is so un- it's so exactly many, opposite of yes, me. Yeah. It's exactly opposite. I mean, it's like a kid going like, let's what you know, let's, let's do like the out. most outrageous thing. Were you like like punk singing like ah, like that no, kind of thing? Was it, there was a singer named Nina Hagen who was oh, an East I, German singer who who sang in this again with crazy the German. operatic <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. And um and I loved her. So I sang in this like sort of faux <laughs> operatic, you know. <laughs> wow. But there was like a there was sort of a punk Strain like Lena Lovitch yeah. had a little of that. Like there was a punk strain yeah, yeah. Ba- back in the day. Absolutely. And yeah, so it was really. I mean, I, it was that mindset of like whatever is opposite of anything that was happening on the radio. You know, that's like how you do what's it. the opposite? Like, is it does it have a regular beat? No, that's not for us. Is it you know melodic at all? No, scratch that. Like that, I remember the drum. The drummer refused to have cymbals. Like it's just because cymbals with I don't know. Like it's too easy, cymbals, man. They're, they're too yeah. It's like it's too standard. It's yeah, we're not we're not uh, we're not doing it like the other people do it. Wow, we're breaking all the rules. That's when you're young. So, so you dumb. define yourself by what you hate because That's you're not exactly secure enough. Yeah. To, you're, you're so worried about 
being saying that you like the wrong thing and then getting made fun of. So it's yeah. so much easier. You remember the early locker days? All. all of our sets were just about this sucks. This is no one was doing things about I love this, right? You know, because we didn't weren't confident enough yet. But isn't comedy also mostly just about like, you know. Being judgmental about things you hate, kind of a little bit. It's not like you don't get up and go, you guys, don't you love when it. I think as you get older as a comedian, the better comedy is always about someone taking a risk on something that they love that makes the audience go, oh, yeah, I didn't think about it that way. I think you you grow out of cynicism. Yes, Yes, you definitely grow out of cynicism. So smart, Michael. Because cynicism looks really sad when you're older, it looks great when you're young. Honestly, I never felt that your comedy was like that. You definitely not cynical. No. I mean you had moments of observing a certain thing and going like, you know, yeah. what, what is what, this? What is this? But but there was a lot of just delight. You know, like yeah, your family true. feud, yeah. Richard Dawson. Uh, yes, like there was a real delight. Like, yes, you're he was completely wrong. He was kind of an alcoholic who sloppily kissed everybody. But oh, you know, God. listen, yeah. you do have eyes. <laughs> but but there was really like just oh a, my god, I just used to loved love it. Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson, but you I look at it now, and you're like, to him to kiss me. But he <laughs> would kiss every. You're like, was he patient zero for something? Like, yeah, no. seems to be a nexus. But anyway, so while so while all this is going on in Boston, in the Boston music scene, you're Michael. You're on the West Coast. You also started in a band called Doll Congress. Doll Congress. Yeah. God, these names are so good. Do you, how do so you guys, good. I'm so curious. I know there's more to that story, but I just do want to like segue into at one point. How do you musicians sit around with your band, like, and go? <laughs> it's you the guys, only reason a, to be in a band. Like, it's, 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 it's a universal. It's a universal truth. I want to know that Yellow legal pads and coffee shops. Wow. Will just they'll eat fill your them, day. They'll fill themselves up. I mean, and they'll just... it's so fun. I can't imagine. I would love to be there when a band chooses their name because every time something happens in life and it's like someone says something and you're like, that'd be a great band name, like that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I just like I can just picture you guys <laughs> like sitting around <laughs> with your friends going, what should we call ourselves? Oh well, yeah, yeah that's, the youngest I mean, that... was not my pick. The, dr- <laughs> the drummer got us a gig and just said that's what our name was. Oh, and sneaky. we were like. You. L.A. was yeah. full of insane names during that time. I mean, it was like it Michael. Was, do you remember any of your rejects? You're also the Chuckle Tones. <gasps> no. Wait, the oh Chuckle Tones. Yeah. it was so it was so the antithesis so of what terrible. we sounded like that it was kind of great. Exactly. But my favorite name of the era that's really was terrible. a was a band that used to play at Wong's occasionally called Grandpa Becomes a Fungus. Yeah, which, that's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. At Wong's, yeah. Madam Wong's, Madam Wet. Wong's, yeah. Madam that Wong's. which was what that what that was the big punk scene yeah. in LA yeah. where the like the Go-Go's came out of uh-huh. and again the, the Germs I think played yeah it. the Go-Go's started off as a punk band yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah they were completely un. they were like anti-Go-Go's all and their then, songs were much, much faster and yeah. then they went I think I'd like to own a house let's, let's write some of these songs um, so you were in Doll Congress yes and then you again you're just gigging around you get to know people so then how did that lead to you doing the, the first album, that March, by yourself. All, right. Because like, I, I imagine you were writing most of the songs uh, uh, by, for the band. By the, by the end of, the end of uh, Doll Congress, uh, the writing was, was split between me and the other singer in the band. Mm-hmm. So I was writing about half the songs, and she was writing about half the songs. Wow. And, um, the, 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 you know, having a band in Los Angeles or in California is tough because, like, for Amy on the East Coast, you can hit various states in a car. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. They're all you know, close together. For, for us, yeah. we you know we would occasionally get up to the Bay Area and then San Diego, LA. You yeah, know, but you're still in California. You're still in California, right? So and I couldn't get these guys to really 
nobody, everybody had jobs, and nobody really wanted to commit to anything right. long-term like that. So the band ultimately just broke up, and I just wrote a bunch of stuff and demoed it and wow. got a deal. We're going to do the next part of that right after these message ads. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so hey guys, uh, welcome back. Oh, we're back. Hi, <laughs> with uh, with with Michael Penn and Amy Mann. We're talking about what, what? early years as an artist, as a creative. So you both um, kind of broke uh, during the, I would say, the dawn of MTV. So was was were videos a part of the package where you had it was was it something you had to consider once the once the songs broke through. You, it was, it was, yeah. You had to consider it. I mean, it was, it was a nightmare for me because I, I never even wanted to, to. I, I wanted to be Harry Nielsen. I wanted to be a guy who made records and 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 never toured and just, you know, got drunk at clubs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, got thrown at clubs with a on your head. Yeah, but, but, it was in my video. I, I, my song, my. Till Tuesday stuff came out before yours. Yeah. So by the time you came out, you definitely had to do a video. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. when our first record was released, MTV was just, I mean, just that second was mm-hmm. was a thing. So we made one video and that was fine. And after that, it just became a nightmare because, yeah. you know, you'd get put together with these directors who, I mean, like, who's a video director? It was really, really but also that was the, real because hit or miss. I also think that what happened then was um, Adrian Lin threw everyone off the curve because he started as a video director, and then suddenly he's this massive feature director. So all these directors were like, I will launch into cinema with oh, well, and then, hey, In fact, I'm, the guy who came up with in. the No Myth video f- uh, with me was... Uh, 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 uh shit seven who Fincher Fincher David Fincher Oh Fincher did so many videos yeah. Yeah. he did He didn't actually do it he and I came up with the concept and then he got the the sequel to uh um Alien. Alien. He got Alien 3. And, and, he, and he bailed. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was like, see you, sucker. <laughs> That's right. This is going to launch me to the stratosphere. This is the advantage of living in Los Angeles, though, because, yeah. like, you know, in Boston, we didn't, we, we didn't get you that. You didn't have access yeah, to the, yeah. we did yeah. not get that, that level. Well, I do remember um, the video for um, Voices Carry is this very moody, gothic, gorgeous. At one point, they, they almost do an eyes without a face moment with your face in the muslin. He was trying to do a Hitchcock. Oh, okay. That like, yeah, a not Hitchcock nod. And the th- scene in the theater was also a Hitchcock scene. Yes. What, but- what, when did that video come out? 84. Okay. I remember seeing that video and thinking you were the prettiest girl Aww. I've ever seen in my life. And Thank I remember you. what you were wearing in the opera scene. And I yep. used to I used to sing I that song with it. all my heart. <laughs> it's in a box I, somewhere. I, I used got to it. act out your that song. I just was like so like a little actress just trying just in my room. It's very being, acty. Yeah. And then oh yeah. But then I did a movie, and I wanted the dress 
like you. I wanted to look like you looked in the scene in the opera house with the strap. I, 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 yeah, I tried. That is so funny. It was, you just, Uh, I mean, I still have it. So, you know, next Halloween. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you have to take it, you have to do another photo shoot in it. You're so stunning. I love the moment the, she wore a rat tail to the opera. Remember when he oh looks at your hair in the back and that's so what he dumb. gets him so yeah. angry. He's, oh, this is the last straw. Also, that guy was cast and like I wasn't part of the casting and I saw that guy. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, like, 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 like trying to make it slightly realistic. Uh, the, the thing I remember that I love so much was that after that video came out, the next video I think was for look is looking over my shoulder. Yeah. And that's a video about how the band is like, so I guess you're the star, yeah, you're the star of the video. And then you're like, I didn't even want to be it. Like the whole video <laughs> is about how you guys hate making videos. Yeah. And I can't believe this thing blew up. I was like, this is awesome. There, it was like one of the first meta commentaries on videos. And like, I, think, I didn't ask to do that. What are you yelling at me for? I think that concept was probably had to we had to come up with it with, you know, in the 20 minutes between, you know, sound check and yes. going on stage and it like at a. In the middle of uh, the Midwest somewhere, and that's like when the video is becoming. You're like, I don't, I don't have time to do this. The yeah, the idea that the director had is like even worse than my idea. Oh my <laughs> and it's not, what, it's not what I it's got really, into it yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. You're like, this is not my area of expertise. And yeah. also, and also, it, it, it really did help kill music. <laughs> I mean, it did. If, yeah. if only for this, for this, the 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 reality that it became like a national radio station, so you no longer had regional hits. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like it was done. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was. It was hard to break through that way. So, so the, by the time you get to your video, was there any pushback from you? Like, do videos even matter? Or they were still like, you got to do a video. Oh, you well, they were. They, they were like, you have to do a video. And 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 I was like, okay, um, then I'm going to make it something that I at least like a little bit mm-hmm. so I mean I don't know if you noticed but I'm sitting down the whole time yep <laughs> except for the one that time you have so to bend Michael over Penn. to pick up pick your up the pick. pick that you drop yeah, and right? you even do you look so when you do the word okay but you are reaching for your pick it's like okay like, I it's, know exactly it's, it's his, like okay okay like Great. I'm, I'm doing <laughs> the reality video. is the okay was on the record and the reason the okay is on oh. the record is because I got talked into a guitar solo that follows it <gasps> oh. so so oh, I said okay and then I I'm getting talked into stuff that he doesn't want to do. <laughs> That's so funny, and so you kept perfect. it, and you said it just naturally. That was an improv. You just no, it wasn't. No, no, it was. It was my joke to myself. To, oh, it was to your put joke to yourself. It's I a meta commentary in the song, like "Here it comes." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. 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 To do great this. That that's left in there. Did, I do you, love that. You said one night it was either at the Lager or at another show. You did no myth, and you came off, and it was it's clear like. And, and um, Don Henley was waiting off stage, and he was like, "I hated singing hit the hits too." Like, no, no, he he came to my gig at the Roxy, mm-hmm. and and as I got off stage, he said, "I can't sing the singles either." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> which was which was both funny and a diss. Yeah, yeah. 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 Th- thanks, yeah. but okay. <laughs> and then you both. Um, 
Till Tuesday won an MTV award? Or was I that... think, yeah, I think we I think we both won Best, Best New, New Artist. Artist. Best which New Artist. Which was considered a curse. Which is why it. our careers <laughs> were right like down the two. Wait, not the yeah. same year. No. no. Well, right. no, no. Obviously, because only one person. Yeah. Um, oh, that, I didn't know if they did like Best New f- Male yeah. Artist, Best no. New Female Artist. No, yeah, ours was 85 and yours was 90. 89. 89, yeah. yeah. But you, you know, you were at the Video Music Awards. I just remember I was writing for the Video Music Awards and the Movie Awards, but not to the late 90s. And you would least got a taste of the MTV award shows when they were kind of actually fun and loose. When I was Very on loose. them, it was they were more important than the Oscars in terms no, of selling music totally and selling movies, dash. and it was not fun. They weren't that loose. Dash. Oh, really? I got censored. You what? got what? Uh, what yeah. But yes, but everybody, any anything that was televised, they're not going to let you say. Yeah, but I also Michael got. Cursed. I also got. I also got a lot of. You got a lot of shit. A lot of shit. From the label. What was the curse word well, that course. you were? I said, the only thing, I said something on the order of, the only thing I can think to say is holy shit, but I can't say that here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And you got censored for that? Yeah, I got, they, they censored out holy shit. I mean, I was, I was, I had no, I did not think for a second I was going to win anything. Right. So I was just, I was Same. in shock. So you yeah. didn't have anything prepared when you went no. up? Wow. I had nothing prepared. I got shit from the label, but this is like labels. It's this is still the label system, and yeah. the label will constantly give you shit. Yeah. I got shit from the label because I didn't thank like the promotion team or like oh, or, yeah. like when yeah. I didn't like thank the people. Yeah. I think the director, which seemed like the thing you would the person you would thank right. for a video, like right. yes, n- you know, nobody was like, no, you got to thank the head of marketing or like whatever. Like oh, they were so on. bad. Like, you, you don't they... understand that they were really instrumental in the oh, success of your record. Like I guess, but like I don't fucking. Nobody wants to hear that. Okay. Right. I didn't thank anybody. I just I just was freaked out and got the hell off stage. Yeah. Here's what's so ironic. A, today, you would be told, don't thank the marketing team because we want to make you look like you're legit and street and everyone right. will make fun of you for that. And Michael, if you had said, I want to say, oh, shit, but I know I can't say that here, that would have become like, a viral woo! clip. They all yeah. would have – and they absolutely would have aired it. Time and the label would have been so happy. Yeah. They would have gone, yeah. Well, I mean, again, there's – I'm sure you know this um, – you know that the, about payola where they pay. Oh yeah. Oh. Well, there's my. Do we ever? F- oh. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we were in the era of payola. Yeah. Well, my favorite st- payola story is the reverse payola. What What is payola? It's where um, the record label. Ha- how do you? Well, well there's pay, a variety pay, of ways they can pull or, this off. Or but, pay music but, directors yeah, at they, radio stations. They pay pay to play. Oh oh oh. Pay, yeah, pay stations I got it. to play. I understand. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, uh, when Frankie goes to Hollywood, had their single relax. Relax. Yeah, their guy, um, I think they were managed by Malcolm McLaren, who did the mm-hmm. Sex Pistols. He paid Radio 1 not to play it so that it would get this, it's been banned, oh, and yeah. it'll sell more copies. Oh, right. And then, and but they couldn't really prosecute. It was like, we can't prosecute you for paying them not to, pl- you know, in other words, That's great. Right. Yeah. That's it was this clever. weird reverse payola. That's we we so love clever. marketing geniuses, don't we? <laughs> no, that yes. is really clever. I like yeah. that. Yeah, although let's let's not uh, Malcolm McLaren is a horrible human being. So, um, <laughs> I don't know who these people are. Oh boy, um, that is, that's a clever idea. But yeah, so so then you're, um, and then you're just you're you're, tw- and then you you guys were also kind of on the vanguard, and I got to be a part of this of when the music industry began to collapse. Yeah, uh, with Napster and and the internet and <gasps> oh, people I sharing stuff. Oh, I forgot about Napster. Jeez. They uh, you you pretty much put your album out by yourself. I got out, yeah. You, you just go, I'm out. I got out. I'm, as soon as I could get out, I got out. So yeah. what do you mean when you put it out by yourself? You, I mean, obviously, you just record it with your people, da-da-da-da, but how do you put it... How do Set up distribution yourself. Yeah, and... I mean, you know, the the 
record companies had three ways of promoting records, which is to promote it at radio. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like radio promotion guys that you hire, and then mm-hmm. they go to radio stations and say, hey, play this record. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, get a video on MTV mm-hmm. and, uh, and send the band out on tour. And, you know, it's not rocket science. So, like, we, you know, and and getting distribution in stores was the big thing then. Like, it was hard to get your record, like an independent record. Nope, there weren't really indie indie records. Like, nobody did their own records. But but I I managed to get a distribution deal so I could get my records in in stores. And that was the big thing. And then, you know, just like you— you pay the radio guy and then, you know, make a video on your own or, or not. Wow. And, you know, so we just that's that's what we did. I mean, it wasn't yeah. it's not it's not hard. I mean, I think probably now it's a lot more complicated because there's, you know, management of online yeah. marketing. And yet, it's, and yet it's much, much, much easier to get records in front of as many people as you can possibly yes. get them in front of. Yes. Hence, hence the. Uh, the whole SoundCloud era, basically, yeah. of people putting out I their mean, own. I mean, yeah, camp. but it's possible, yeah. but, like, it's, you know, it's like a swarm of bees, That's right. you know? Like, you yeah. can be one bee in a swarm, but it's There's pretty no hard There's no curation to, anymore. Yeah, it's pretty And also, you out. have to be willing to devote your—I mean, I remember when we first started the podcast, and Meredith's like, so— and then how do we – how does this – does this make money? I was like, it, it makes money if we devote our lives yeah. to the – like, it, it has to be – like, the, the podcast you see making million dollars, it's their life. Yeah. yeah. It's all they do. Yeah. So it has to be and, – and that must be very frustrating as a creative when you're like, but I, I do music because I need it for fun and relaxation. It can't become yeah. this onus. Like well, that. the marketing can't become right. the thing that you're doing the most, yes. you That's know, the putting thing. the most time The artist in. wants to be the artist. It really sucks when you have to do all the other stuff, too. It's and like, that's where the business yeah. went. And that, exactly. Yeah. And, then, and if you're and not good at it, and the people who are good at it are good at it usually because they're obsessed with – you know, being on Twitter and obsessed with Instagram, obsessed with themselves. And it's like they're better sort of at being narcissistic. And, you know, they have that drive to like, oh, no, I have to get I have to get the likes. Like if you don't, if that's not your primary thing. It really is. And then, you know, coronavirus put a whole other part of it where not only, you know, you want to, for for actors at least, you want to be an actor, but now if you're going to audition for anything or do anything, you're doing your own lighting, you're doing your own, you're you're your engineer, you've got to do this, you have to do everything. You're your publicist. You're your publicist, exactly, well Instagram became you are your publicist, basically. Yeah. Um, And it really does take away from the art of it, and when you have to spend 80% being your own manager and only 20% being an actress. And you can't yeah. be the actress part unless someone yeah. gives you the yeah. chance. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how many movies and TV shows that when um, uh, you're done, after a couple months, they start emailing you, here's some assets. We need you to Promote Instagram it. this. We oh, need yeah. you to tweet it. You're yeah. like, you got to get it out here. We, and you're like, I, I didn't I, already do my part. Yeah, yeah. didn't I do that? I you hired, do I have to do you your hired job me too? to be the actress. You do yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Are you going to well, send me a check for the followers. marketing? I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then don't yeah. you want this to succeed? Oh, well, I hate that was the it. classic MTV model. It. When I would, uh, I did a, I've pitched a couple shows there, and then we, when they give you a budget, they're like, well, we'll give you um. Fifty grand an episode to do the show, and you're like, okay. And then what do I get paid? And you're like, well, you just take what you think 
you should out of that money, but don't you want the show to look good? Like, right. in other words, don't pay yourself, put all that money into the show so that we have a good product to sell that we won't pay you for. Ah, uh, the business. Such a, the business, am it. I right? The business, folks. This is very exciting. This is amazing. Guys, are you having a blast so far? We feel very excited <laughs> and amazing. I, I literally we, looked over both, feel, and they're just yeah. like looking down, like they both have their chins <laughs> in their hands. <laughs> the, these are like the, the most business. mellow. The well, the you two in general are just the most calm, yeah. mellow, interesting I'm so not people. Calm. But well, you are, no, like it's you, like a roiling. Yes, set, but your maybe your inside. inner self you doesn't give off feel calm, calm, though, and that but, helps. Yeah. And it's also like the quality of your voice. So, you know, it's like down I give here. off exhausted and frozen. Those are my, those are my two. I feel like I need to take some of the energy though, because I really am the annoying. Like, just, I'm yes. the chihuahua at the end of the table. I'm gonna do to... this and this. Um, no, we. I, I have that weird energy too. Trust me, I need the mellowness. But the, I think a lot of the mellowness came from the fact that, and I'm kind of going through this myself, in different ways, which is. You hit a point where you're like, oh, wait a minute. I still get to create stuff no matter what, even if the so-called structure that I am that I maybe got a little too comfortable with is gone. I Because I remember when the comedy boom ended. I, was, yeah, I right. started comedy as it was collapsing. Right. So I saw a lot of people that were like, but this structure is here where I go out Thursday through Sunday and I do a couple of one-nighters and I make 100 grand a year and this – Comedy Club Network is supposed to be here forever. And suddenly all the clubs were gone. Right. And the comedians that kept doing it were the ones like, plug a mic into a laundromat. I'll talk there. Like, I, yeah. I'll get a day job. So right. that is now happening, I think. Well, you see that with TV and films and music. It's this, like, I'll just find a way to get through and do it. Right. Um, so the, And you guys did a version of that um, with that amazing uh, – you guys did a uh, tour called Acoustic Vaudeville, which was so – Amazing. It was it was uh, Amy and Michael on tour trading off. They would each do. How did you decide to who would go on? It was it was different every show. Like it was fairly arbitrary. I mean, we tried to balance the sets out. But. Yeah, you know, yeah, half Michael's songs, half my my songs back back and forth. I would play bass. You know, we were each other's side people. We right. had you know a couple of yeah. other musicians, and and the concept was. Because we played a lot of shows at, at Largo, the old Largo, and we always felt like that we both felt very awkward talking between songs and doing onstage banter. So we were like, well, like Could a pinch hitter, you know, call in an expert and ban I mean, like, who's an expert on banter but a stand-up comic? Yeah. And so like Patton, anyone but Patton. Yeah, exactly. Patton, come and do our banter. But you had a lot of variations on that theme that were really, really fun. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, we did it with other comics. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, but I think you you had the most, you know, most time, especially with Michael. You did a lot oh of fun. So what happened? That was so Three much of you fun. guys went on tour together it and you would yes. do their banter in between? Well, Patton would often come on literally as me and Yes. And, and, say, and, and guys, I'm say Michael Penn. What I got he some would conceive, tunes to play you know, for are you. the things that I was going to say between songs. So yeah. was, and I would do all the best, like, especially think of the songs that Michael is singing, and I would come on, like, the worst hair metal guy, like, a lot of good pussy in here tonight, <laughs> folks, a lot of quality. You guys ready to, like, just the absolute worst ramp up to his music, and then yeah. he had to... Or, I had to follow that. Yeah, yes, I had like, to follow I had to, I had to sing a strong with a, a, a straight face after that. Yes. <laughs> or I would also, and then I'd also be... Like before a ballad, he gets yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. And just Laughing. like, 
Oh, and, and then also there was a great, um, I would heckle you, for, I would be your worst fan. Right. The guy who loves you but only for the song No Myth. <laughs> and he keeps calling it the Rome, do the Romeo and Black Pants song. Like he doesn't even understand that that's not the title. And just yelling. And then he gets up and goes to the bathroom and misses it. And yeah. it's, the whole thing is such a friggin' mess. And then I would. Oh my God, how fun for you. And we, I mean, we had. It, it was, was so uh, It was fun. I mean, oh, honestly, I, 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 performing is, I hate. It was the only time I've ever had fun performing. Yeah. It was great. That's it was good... really fun. And you did uh, Michael's inner thoughts. So, oh, that's yeah. right. My, Michael's yeah. inner monologue. That was really Especially great. when he would be tuning and I'd be like, t- I'd be there doing this like this. Boy, these people are gonna. I'm gonna blow them right out of their shoes oh when I God. find I this need, E flat I need chord. This I'm again. gonna do oh my Lord. I need this again. Oh, you guys have to do it. It was amazing. Yeah. And I remember I would even come on the on the nights that I was because you'd have Paul F. Tompkins mm-hmm. and Andy Kindler, and they were just um, Andy Kindler. Um, he would come out and do this weird like, what's the song that it, it's kind of like subterranean homesick booze with the most insane lyrics that oh, you would yeah. always oh, brave new world, brave new world. And he would do this little like challenge dance <laughs> yeah. to the song where he. It, it was one of the funniest yeah. things I've it ever. It was a really really fun tour yeah. and and a really fun show. And it was this a really interesting thing that I learned from that was that when there is comedy, people attune to language in a yeah. way Absolutely. that makes them more like yeah. after they laugh, it makes them more sort of receptive and attentive to. To the songs and the songs being so, you know, in mean, both of our song, you know, our oeuvre is reasonably, you know, kind of serious and sad. Mm-hmm. But but listening to the to sort of sadder, more emotional songs made people really like very, very attentive and receptive to to comedy. It's yeah. like those two things went that you wouldn't think would go together at all mm-hmm. really were complementary. Especially because a lot of the comedians that you were using on Acoustic Vaudeville came from that alternative school. I hate to use the term alternative school, but we yeah, were from 20 the, years on. 20 <laughs> yeah. years on, but we were, I'll do comedy even if I'm not getting paid. And right. it had, so we were on that same wavelength of, I just want to be doing something creative. I don't need to make, yeah. Because the money is just not there anymore, but I can still make a living doing this. And, then, and that's where music was at that point, too. Yes, it yeah. was absolutely yeah. there. Like, yeah. do you want to do this or not? Because the, the the limos and the private jets are gone, except for maybe three bands. Yeah. yeah. You know, just like it is, look, in comedy right now, there are three or four comedians that are in stadiums and touring on buses and taking private jets. And that's fine. And everyone else, we make a living. And it's it's fine. So, you know, but I see a lot of... Especially older comedians from the old school of, but I I need to have a huge. They can't not they. It's like they can't realize why it went down for them. It's like, but it goes up and down all the time. Yeah, right. it's never a steady climb. Yeah, and you have to embrace that. Um, and you guys um, have done the other thing too, which for a truly creative life, which is you have branched out into other areas, which are amazing. Um, Michael has become. Mm-hmm. A soundtrack. Listen, listen. To, this is what he has done. He's composed and done soundtracks for the show Girls. Ah, the a a a really weirdly overlooked one season and out show that I think is going to age very very well called Here and Now um, by Alan Ball that was on mm-hmm. HBO. One of those shows that could not find its footing and, and is. Oh, weirdly, he's so talented. Alan un- so talented. but weirdly uncomfortably prescient yeah. in what it was about. Um, also, the show Masters of Sex, 
and Good Girls. Oh, you did that? He was the uh, Good well, Girls. some of it. Some yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and then movies like Sunshine Cleaning, Marvin Goes to Dinner, um, The Comedians of Comedy. That's hey. right. He did the, yeah. Did first, a, first Netflix production. First Netflix production. Wow. Did a, be- did a beautiful soundtrack and a beautiful cover of uh, Down by the Riverside. Gorgeous cover. Like, gorgeous. It ends the it ends the documentary. Wow. It was so perfect. Um, the, a great movie called The Anniversary Party, which has one of the funniest. Oh, I love that movie. Wh- well, it has one of the fun. And when I saw it, I saw it at the Egyptian, and the whole crowd exploded when, um, who's the model that's in the movie, that the blonde? She was a supermodel at the time. Claudia, not Claudia Schiffer. No. It was someone else. But she, no, no, I'm sorry, Gwyneth Paltrow. She goes, oh. I brought. The bottle? She goes, I brought the gift of love. And it's, she brought ecstasy. Right. And then there's a cut. And it's a I long love that shot. you called her a model. <laughs> She's an actress. But there's <laughs> another model in the, there is a model in the movie. And I forgot what her name oh. was. But yeah, I, it, I, I, I mixed them up. But anyway. Yeah, that's okay. And they do this great cut. And it's a long shot of people sitting by the pool, dangling their feet. And it's this weird. weird like, because it's what everyone's feeling. This weird little like, it's it's like it's what ecstasy would sound like ecstasy if it could do music. music. Yeah. yeah, and it just, it it always gets such a huge laugh for me. So, um, also, um, Heart Eight, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's <gasps> oh first film. Oh my god! Yes, and Boogie Best. Nights. Wow. Which not only did you do Boogie Nights, you had to do the arrangement. On the when they do that song, the touch you got the touch. Was that you? Oh, my oh God. I, I didn't actually do that. Oh my but I think, God! I think Kihu and I can't remember who did that arrangement, but uh, I was in that scene. Yeah, Michael yes, you was are. in that scene because Paul talked me into being in the damn thing. Yes, yes he forced you into it. Yeah, yeah, and and when they're when they're playing that back, and he's like, "Do we? Th- do you think we need to bring the vocals up?" And you're at the control, and you put your head down and go. No, I think they're fun. like you just had this thing like please just let this end please let, let me just get out of here. I, I think that it's... was your your attitude during the shooting. <laughs> it was like, one out of here. Please let me out of this scene. Listen, I was just going to be me. Yeah, yeah. that's all I could do. Yeah. <laughs> but so no, so you and I, I know a lot of um, uh, composers and musicians that I love that are doing really interesting soundtrack stuff now for um, movies and especially TV shows have un- have now learned how important it is to have a, a really amazing. Soundtrack or a music curator. So how did what was the what was the segue into that? How did that what what how did that happen? That's all PTA. I mean, really, I, I had I I I had uh, had some opportunities to maybe try to go that route in mm-hmm. the in the past, but I always felt like I don't want to do that because it feels like nepotism because my family's in the film oh, business. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so I I have I avoided it, and then Paul uh, Paul was a fan of mine and. Uh, I think he was listening to an album of mine a lot when he was writing Heart Eight, mm-hmm. which was his first thing. Yeah, and it was called Sydney at the time, and um, he he started reaching out to me, and I literally put him off for about a year. Wow, because he was in hell with the cut of the film and the people who were doing it. So so the time actually didn't matter because. He was embroiled in, in this thing. That was the one film where they took the cut away from. They him, took right? the cut away, he but then he the... he stole it back. Oh, he, good. He, he got it back. Um, but uh, uh, he, he, you know, finally, I went to see the film. Honestly, just to shut him up, just to, <laughs> just to stop the calls from coming. Right, right. And I was like, wow, this guy's really good. <laughs> then did Amy meet Paul Thomas Anderson, and then do didn't you do Save Me and was that Magnolia? Yeah, Magnolia. We were yeah. All, for Magnolia. We were all friends. We were very, oh, you were all very friends. close yeah. friends. Yeah. Because honestly. Um, 
one is the loneliest number and save me and your whole that you're singing in that that song save me is one of my favorite songs thank i think you. of all time it's one of the most emotion like thank beautiful you. things i've i have a i have a playlist of songs that put me in a mood mm-hmm. when I need oh. to perform a certain kind of scene, right. and that's on my list. I'm on and your cry list? You're on my yes. cry list. Cry list. It's called a, my work list. That's fantastic. Work, but it is. It's the I cry list. It. Cupid's Got a Brand New Gun is on my writing list when I'm doing, like, Moody North or something. Oh, that's, oh, that's, great. Song that's that such just, a great song. It just puts me it, – it, I don't want to go into – I could talk about it now, but that song is um, – but it, it's weird how you said for Sydney. He was just listening to your stuff, and did, isn't that how Magnolia came? He yeah, was listening kind of to thing, your yeah. as yet unreleased album, and yeah. ended up structuring the whole movie around the album. Basically, I, I think it. I think it was you know just like Hard Eight. I think it. I think he's very influenced by music, and mm-hmm. I think you know there were there were elements in the songs he was listening to of mine that that were inspiring him. You know that intersected with stuff he was going through or thinking about. Right. And there's a line from there's a lyric in Deathly that is in the movie. The now yeah, that that's now, right. now that I've met yeah, you, yeah. would you object to never seeing each other again? Yeah. And yeah. The, and there's a song called Wise Up that had existed oh, oh, before. Wise up, wise up. Oh my god. Yes, it did. Where was that? That was supposed Jerry to be McGuire. in Jerry Maguire and yes. he didn't use it, but I th- Really? Uh, yeah, because it was, I don't know, he used a piece of score instead. Uh, um, but I think Paul heard it. I think there was something about Paul that he was like, that idiot, I'm going to use it. Um, that's so, another Which one is very funny. Yeah. On my list, by the way. And that another, sequence another is cry, amazing. Cry I love it so much. Not only is that sequence amazing, we did a little nod to it in Modoc when we asked you to do a cover of the Third Eye Blind song that I am oh God, sadly right. singing yeah, yeah. in the bathroom. That was our Magnolia nod. Oh my God. That was our little nod to Magnolia is he's just singing this, this floating head is singing, but he's singing along. To, it's just, yeah, just, oh my God. Um, here's a little uh, weird uh, uh, rabbit hole tidbit for you um, that Meredith will like. Um, Heart Eight, originally titled Sydney, is a sneak sequel to Midnight Run. That's right. Yeah. It's an unofficial sequel to Midnight Run. Whoa. It is the Sydney character yep. from Midnight Run, yep. where what oh. happens to him after Hall. he leaves. I, re- I mean, yeah. I think you. I every told time, you that. every time we watch Midnight Run, you say that, and yeah. I'm like, what okay. <laughs> like I, I think that it's just like his oh, commentary. Oh, so when it comes from Patton, you believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's how marriage works. Oh, I see. Yeah. But I love the fact that if you watch the at the end of Midnight Run, he's the guy saying, "Don't do this. Don't." He goes, "Go, you know, have a eat a sandwich, drink a glass of milk, do some fucking thing." Yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes to the airport. The whole operation is is swept up, and Sydney escapes. Escapes and, and goes to Vegas and goes to Vegas <laughs> to try to redeem himself. Wow. Which I just oh god, that's so great. Yeah. And that is Patton's rabbit hole. Ah. Oh my god. So much, so much good. Okay, so, Amy. Yes. You have this new album, Queens of the Summer Hotel. Mm-hmm. Our daughter, Alice. Is this the one you don't stop talking about for the recommendations? I recommended but it three shows in a row. Because I always do we my patents a... picks, and I, go ahead. I was just going to say, we have a segment of our show where Patton does recommendations, and literally, like, every musical recommendation has been this album. Awesome. I'm like, you you can't do that it. every well, single week. Yes, you week. can. You can. <laughs> in fact, you have to. You have but to do it every week. But now it's our fourth. It's our yeah. fourth. Well, but here, uh, this isn't really so much that I'm recommending at this point. I just love You're that. You're obsessed with it. Well, because I experienced this album the way that it's I did so a lot good. of my favorite albums where you get, you start listening to it, you hone in on one song and that becomes your song for a few days and then you start. So that's why yeah, yeah. every week yeah. I'd be like, I went deeper in the album. There's an even better. So 
But watching our daughter listen to oh, it. Oh, she's and obsessed. She I mean, I can't imagine. She it's sings so along. not a kid's record. It, exactly. I love her. Well, okay, for one thing. She it's... is definitely a unique child oh, if we... this is her favorite record. It her... is. It is. She loves it. She also, her favorite books are like the saddest books you can oh, possibly she... read. Oh, she God. wants more sad books. Yeah. That's well, all she, like, she's reading of... Mouse right now. Uh, M-A-U-S. No, they know what Mouse well, is. Well, I'm telling the audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Pat, Pat Oswald introduced me to the world of graphic novels. Yeah. I did, the, your song Ghost World um, is because I gave you the book Ghost World. Yeah. Yeah. So I take a little bit of credit for that. Thank you. Also one of Alice's favorite songs. Um, oh, that's Loves adorable. Ghost World. But it was amazing to watch her journey through the album in terms of that first song, You Fall. Loved it. Oh, that's she would such play a good it song. over and over wow. again. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, and then and then, but then that got replaced by "Home by Now." That became oh, the song for a while. Don't tell her what it's about. I know. I no, no, I'm yeah. not. No, 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 no. And now it's "Burn It Out." "Burn It Out" is her new. Don't fave. tell her what that's about. Well, <laughs> the whole I. I want to know what it's about. Yeah. Um, well, it's based on the, you know. The, the book um, Girl it's Interrupted. It's based on the book Girl Interrupted, and there's a character who set herself on fire. Don't tell her what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I'm, as far as she knows, it's about a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a metaphor. And that's art anyway. I mean, people are yeah. listening to your song. Yeah. They don't know what it's about. Yeah. So, yeah. But I just love that you guys are expanding what it is that you're doing. Amy has gotten into painting, and apparently... Uh, and also that led has led to because of your love of graphic novels. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you are if if you follow Amy's Instagram feed, she is starting to ramp up to doing a graphic novel, and you can see rough. There's almost like your your graphic novel EP is happening in real time right. on your Instagram feed. You're doing these little diary pages. I'm just yeah. Four I'm, panels. I'm practicing now. You know, like at the start of the pandemic, I was really was really going to try to write um a graphic memoir and uh and then i got sick it's like a long story but sort of a nervous system disorder that that uh that caused a lot of um vestibular migraine so i was really super like sick and nauseous and dizzy all the time and mm -hmm. i and concentrating on drawing made it worse, so I had to just give it up. Oh man! So I'm kind of just getting getting back into it in a in a more casual way. So to do a daily diary, just like a four panel thing, is is very easy and it's good practice. Um, that's but that's so also cool. like I read Linda Berry's books about making comics, and and she's like, you know, try it this way, write down some things that you saw today, and then draw a picture of one. Like she has all these really fun exercises, so that really took the pressure off drawing, because you know when you're not when you're doing something you're not already good at, you've it's you it's very easy to get stuck and go like, oh, it's not good enough. Like I have right. to make this perfect. So it's a really nice way to. You know, to just practice in, in a lighthearted way. Yeah, there are some really great little. There's one um, about uh, the, the there's no, there's no worse sleeplessness than the, the 3 a.m. sleeplessness. Yes. When you wake up at 3 a.m. That one reminded me very much of Charles Schultz. He would write Charles Schultz. Everyone's like, oh, peanuts are so cute. There are peanuts cartoons that no. are so dark, it's so dark, yeah. and so depressed. So like Port, just yeah. Charlie, like awake at night, just thinking, and you like. Oh my God! Well, and Lucy has to be a psychiatrist for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a psychiatrist into a kids comic, but at the end of that little four panel, when you talk about you, know, you, you stay awake until five, and you hear the birds start chirping, and you realize, oh, I've been awake all night. That yeah. I've had that moment so many times. 
Oh, God. Yeah, the first chirp. The first chirp. It's like soothing. I don't know. That'd that's be a good like, band name, guys. Yeah, the, the first, first chirp. chirp. The first chirp. <laughs> um, also, you talk about uh, the whole the, the Steely Dan incident, which from the outside, this is how this is how Twitter is so, I think, warped. Because from the outside, you were supposed to open for Steely Dan. Yeah. And then it you got, they canceled you off the tour um, because what was it they, they thought that well, I was, was told, a- like, we asked around. My manager right. asked around. And, you know, the the thing about, like, having somebody open for you, like, I've definitely had openers where my manager will, get, will say, you know, there's this band. They're really good. Like, you know, how about them for an opener? And, mm-hmm. I'll, like, so I'll go, I don't have time to, like, check. Like, sure. Right, you know, sure, right. put them on. Like, I don't necessarily have time to, to check it out or... Like, I don't know who it is. I've never heard it. I don't have a context for it. I'm sure it's fine. Like, right. somebody else thinks it's fine. Uh, you know, I'm trying to pack my suitcase. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, so I didn't necessarily think that, like, th- that Donald Fagan said anything. But right. but when he asked around, he he was told that um, they don't think that their, their audience would like a female singer-songwriter. <sighs> and, I, you know, and my take was just like, I... That's very old. There's like a real old school thing oh, because I've still. definitely heard that kind of thing all through my career. That that was that, old school like comedy. Female singer songwriter. Yeah, can't you, have three female comedians in the show. It's got to be one male comedian. Yeah, and that's what? why Lilith Fair was developed because you'd get told stuff like you can't have two female artists on a on a wow. bill, and there's like oh certain God. certain acts that like no, their audience wouldn't want to see a woman. So I wasn't like super surprised. I just thought it was like a bit old school thinking, and yes. I didn't necessarily know who. It came from because um, I do know Steely Dan's audience traditionally is, you know, pretty male and pretty. I don't know, like nerdy is not the word. It's like a, it's like a '70s kind of obsessive fan. It's like <laughs> uh-huh. a different. But I also know that I think they have a a bigger uh, female fan base that's more recent. That, yes, um, because I know a lot of a lot of women who really. Or into Steely Dan. So I was just like, I think they're wrong, but whatever. Um, the, the reason I bring it up is because if you only saw it from Twitter, it's like, well, this is terrible, and Amy must be so pissed, and I'm never listening to Steve Dan. But if you yeah. if you go on your Instagram, it's you hearing about it and then calling up um, Donald Fagan, and you're so excited because he tells you the story of the song Brooklyn. I didn't. And, call, he wrote. He sent me a letter. Well, he sent you yeah, a letter, yeah. and then you ended up talking. So it's a completely different perspective on what. It's totally different. Yeah, I tw- internet outrage is. I tweeted that I said, "All is forgiven is Donald will just tell me what Brooklyn is about because it's one of my favorite songs, but it's kind of obscure." Uh-huh. And he sent me a, sent me a letter telling me, like, actually, it was like a whole story about, you know, this is what it was like when we lived in Brooklyn, and wow. you know, here's like the diner that was on the corner, and like our downstairs neighbor. So, so it was really more like a longer story of just what his life was like at the time when they were just starting out writing songs. It was very sweet. Um, but you're right. Like, and I have a lot of thoughts about the, the internet, you know, Twitter outrage, clickbait oh thing. God. The thing that makes clickbait is that you have to have like an, an either or situation. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the two sides have to be positioned so they will inspire a kind of righteous anger because mm-hmm. otherwise like, you know, to, to like look, listen to this nuanced story of a thing. Like people won't necessarily click on it, right. but if it inspires anger, like especially righteous anger, you feel like you have to click on it because like it's an urgent issue. So it yeah. really, it really, inc- 
encourages this kind of black and white thinking that I feel like is really bad for people. And I've been thinking about this a lot in the last few days because I think it's really cognitively bad for you. It Over time, yeah, you yeah, can't really— It, it forces th- things into, like, perpetrator and victim, and then you start thinking that everything has to be divided only into those two categories. Like, am I the victim in this situation or am I the perpetrator in this situation? And, and, and who wins? Can I win yeah. this situation? Who wins? Who, who yeah. gets the most likes? Who gets ratioed? Who wins? Yeah, that's a bad – And because especially if you're a songwriter, if you're an actress, you, the, the essence of your job is seeing every angle you possibly can of everything so that you get the realist take. But that's the ant- that's the antithesis of that. Yeah, it's really it's really strange. I feel like it's really bad for people. And and the thing about righteous anger is that it's the hardest anger to give up because you're right. Like you do, you know. Mm-hmm. In the case of like my thing with Steely Dan, it was positioned. Amy Mann accuses Steely Dan of sexism, <laughs> which is like those are two sides that you can take. Like people are like, yeah, I'm tired of women being subjected to this kind of sexism, but the other side is like, I'm sick of these bitches seeing sexism wherever they're, you know, like right. wherever Absolutely. they look. It's, yeah. And so those are really, really opposed sides. And you know, of course, like I don't feel that way at all. Like I was like, oops, I don't know what happened, but too bad. You right. know, that was about the extent of I mean, I love Steely Dan. I would have loved to go on tour with them and, and yeah. et cetera, but like I didn't have like a ton of feelings about it. But well, you know Well Twitter sure did. I mean and they had anger, feelings for you. Yeah, and they just like you it's really hard to let go of that that type of anger. I think I don't know, I think it's really it's really corrosive. I mean, I've been talking about this coincidentally mm-hmm. just in the last couple of days because I'm like, I, I have to detox. I have to get off Twitter or find a way to interact with it in a different way because I, it's it's ruining my thinking. And, it's and like – and input, my mood. Yeah, the input you're getting from Twitter is all very polar. And so yeah. it's – It's very it, anxiety producing. It produces anxiety. And yeah. so you're like, no. You read something like, god damn it. You no. do feel you constantly just... victimized because things are only positioned that way. But the other thing about it is that then – when people see that and they go, well, I'm going to counteract that by going right in the middle and seeing what's exactly in the middle. And it's like, no, that's not the fucking answer either. <laughs> like, there's not a middle between I'm accusing Silly Dan of sexism and they're a bunch of sexist assholes. Like, yes. there's not the middle doesn't it's not it's not like, well, they probably are sexist, but she also overreacted. <laughs> like, that's not the fucking middle. The, the real answer is eh, stuff happens and it was an accident right. he's a sweet guy but like maybe somebody in their camp is sort of old-fashioned like i don't know also who cares you're right the peacemaker position can't be maybe they're both assholes yeah, exactly. yeah it's not it's not well will smith was upset for a reason it doesn't matactly. matter what set him off you yeah. don't yeah and it's related to the both sidesism that's in exactly. politics oh it's my god it's insane now um there's other th- – again, there's things that I wanted to talk about that Michael is also doing, but there's a lot of things. You have these long-term projects. I don't know if I should talk about them or not. Um, you – especially there's one – I'm still you thinking You can remind about me what they are. Well, there was one where you were, you were trying to make – because you're obsessed with the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Um, out in um, Culver, uh, City. Culver City. Jurassic Technology. It's exactly. Musical yeah, Jurassic no, no, Technology it's, it's, or yeah. just Jurassic, Museum of Jurassic, Jurassic Technology? Technology. Which, oh. which doesn't make sense on its face. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. But oh, that's ba- so interesting. I want to know what this is. Well, just like he was saying, you created the meme of Jubilee. <laughs> you were sort of trying to do this 
fake but maybe real history of these natural forming oh, rock that thing. organ thing. That, and you were going to make <laughs> – it was going to be a whole thing you were going to uh, put on the internet and you built – it was like this massive – World creating. Pro- I can't even do the parameters of it in the time before our break. Yeah, um, probably break. for the best. How about let's take a break and come back and he can <laughs> we'll, explain it. To we'll us. come back. We'll talk a little bit, the, and then we'll do some picks. And the, a lot of the okay. picks link to what we've been talking about. Okay, and then we'll all go home. Very good. Awesome. Thanks. You guys are so cool. We'll yeah. be right back. <laughs> Michael, you are. <laughs> we were. We just started talking right before we went to break about how you have these long, simmering projects, but they're not so much projects as they are. They're like visions, concepts, insta- co- concepts that I f- finally forget about and yes. just lay on a shelf. Um, my, Michael introduced me to the wonders of the Museum of Jurassic Technology, which I have visited many a time. Um, I don't want to spoil exactly what it's, but basically, I'll let, I'll let you describe it, but do it in a way that doesn't spoil the fun and the weirdness of it. Don't make it lame. It's brilliant. Ma- make it, make right. it fun. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's sell, it's sell it to the TikTok kids. It's a Go. place. It's a place in Culver City in, a, in that's fairly unassuming, and it's a museum in the tradition of what museums used to be, which is not sort of giant. Uh, mausoleums that are curated by academics, but museums originally were just collections of stuff, yeah. like like and often odd things, mm-hmm. and it sort of it sort of harkens back to that. Um, and I don't really want to say anything else because it's an it's an experience that you have to kind of. Oh, I want to go. Really... Can anyone go? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, it's something else. Um, but but you a lot of your that has clearly inspired a lot of your thinking about things. Hence the. Giant um, natural cave, or you were you, you wrote this whole yeah. history of this thing and I how did. it appeared in it was yeah <laughs> yeah I did I did somewhere. it was it was a, it was an excuse to to, to make a, a a very experimental music um, recording mm-hmm. and have a context for it. So you're like scoring an imaginary. What I wanted to world. do was was write. The, I wrote this thing, which ostensibly was an article that that was in a, 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 a periodical called the Kelvin Quarterly, which oh was a God. scientific oh, journal. And it was all made up. Made and up and it was thing. about a guy who. It was about a guy who worked at uh, Bell Labs, and he became the guy who ultimately invented stereo. This is not true. <laughs> Um, and anyway, there was the this, detail. It was a whole, and it was, it. and it was basically about this guy who, who came up with, he, 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 before he was working at Bell Labs, he was, he was studying, he was at Cornell studying ornithology and he wanted to, it's, it's so involved. I can't even remember novel? it all. No, no, no. no it's, it's like a magazine article profiling oh. this, this researcher. I, I feel like it needs to be a limited series. <laughs> I totally well, agree. But, but I mean, no, why not? Because like, the totally way, agree. the way Michael Called wanted the Kelvin to. Quarterly. <laughs> yes. I would watch oh that. Oh my God, this is a show. I would watch that. Come well, on. But the way that you wanted to introduce it was in a weird viral. Well, what I was going to do at the thing right appearing, popping up on the internet. I wanted to leave it places, like leave the article with the CD. Yes, just leave it places, and, and no one. Where did this just, come from? What because, because honestly, I would make about as much money from that as I would putting out a record normally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why not? Um, now, and and with in in the long simmering tradition during the pandemic during 2020, you put out a haunting single. Uh, that I, I listen to every now and then, but not a lot, uh, because 
It's a little heavy. No offense. It, it'll make you yeah. cry. Yeah. Um, it is the. Put it um, on your cry list. Yeah. Put it on your cry list. It's called A Revival. And uh, it's it, a fantastic song. It is a fantastic song with a lyric in it. I wrote it down. It's heartbreaking. Who'd have guessed what were the odds? It was about what we went through in 2016 and what it led to in 2020. It, it is yeah. someone actually taking a pause. And th- by the way, it's a very catchy, moody song. But the basic – there's my interpretation is it's someone um, – but it basically is someone pausing for a second going – Oh, things are really messed up. They did it slowly, so I didn't realize how crazy things are. But we are—I'm on a different planet right now. Or does it have that? It, well, certainly that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it more as sort of an assessment of 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 where we are and why we're where we are. Mm-hmm. But that that because it's so overt where we are, it's actually a moment of hope. Oh, and and I I sort of felt like we just the idea of getting back to the notion of of what the republic's supposed to be and what democracy is supposed to be mm-hmm. of of the commonweal of you know people making making a, a, a compact and saying we're going to figure this out together. Right. I'll do my I'll do what little part I can. Whereas now we're at this part where it's like I'm not doing anything. Well, it's but it's it's specifically about. It's specifically about the fact that the Confederacy never died. It's specifically wow. about about the fact that 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 the 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 idea of white supremacy and the religious rationalization for white supremacy has never left the country and and mm-hmm. has 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 festered and and we it needs to be purged finally. I yeah. don't understand how there is a religious. Uh, aspect to white supremacy how they've how they've taken it upon themselves because they because in 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 whatever form it has taken and this includes what's going on in russia right now uh obviously russia it's with the or the the russian orthodox church who have turned severely right-wing nationalistic and white supremacist as has has most of the evangelical world right i just wonder how if you're so religious and if because jesus is all loving and encompassing for everyone why is it because they've reframed it all because you can rationalize anything they've reframed it all and they and they and they and they believe they genuinely believe that the white race is unique among humans that we are chosen by god and and they 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 have a belief system and it's just filled with these heretical corruptions of what Christianity was right. and what it's, Judaism was. It's a was. corrupt view. It's completely corrupt. Yeah, it's, it's, it's things not, like dominionism and yes. it's things like the prosperity gospel. And it's things like, for the Catholics, it's like uh, these extreme right-wing versions of Catholicism. It just, there's there's a million of them, but they're, they, they, um, they all sort of, it, it ultimately gets down to power. Right, and it gets, exactly. And it gets down to um, uh, zero-sum games. Like no, there's. It's just I hate that it's tied to religion, but it's like that's the way they can make it. They can spread it. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the way they can get people to say, "Well, this is the." It, it just. It, it also it also plays into uh, the the culture that has become so incredibly narcissistic and 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 needing to feel that they're on a like all cults that they're on a a mission of salvation for the planet. And this is what we were because Patton had sent Patton had sent this video clip to us, and that's 
Yeah. You know, in the video clip was talking about how these corporations yes. have this sort of like grandiose mission statements that are about that yeah. that sound more like they're about spirituality. They've taken that language. Because that's what all cults do. All cults have to it, make you think you're on this grand mission to save the planet. Because then right. they, mm-hmm. then you can excuse for yourself any any means that you use to s- supposedly get to yeah. you know clearing out. If if bringing about universal happiness meant killing five people, wouldn't you yeah, have yeah, to? Yeah, that's like, exactly right. It's that kind yeah. of argument. Yeah, and it's also the – and they do it in that weird as, – as, as grandiose as what you're talking about. But they always wrap it up in this folksy kind of – we're just trying to – which yeah. is the other video I sent you. It's a great video that um, Amanda Palmer and this other <laughs> guy did where you, whenever a corporation has twee – cutesy ukulele music in their ad and there's a someone singing and they're wearing a vintage sweater you know they are selling something so evil yeah. when they bring in the folksy ukulele yeah. they can get they think they can get away with it because they like, it's just ideas come the ukulele's on ukulele's not dangerous well, what we're yeah. fighting pedophiles <laughs> Oh yes, that's exactly yeah. what. Yeah. yeah, and we have we have Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene today tweeted because I think Mitt Romney and two other Republicans like I will vote for uh, Kajani Brown, and she said these three support pedophilia. That's unfucking what? Yeah, she just tweeted out these three: Mitt Romney well, and yeah. the they support pedophilia. Anything. Yeah, in reference to uh, them voting for um, while she's hanging with Matt Gates. Yeah, she says this. They support pedophilia. Oh now we know. God. It's just like baseless charges that yeah. like literally have no. Well, they just no, say it, and the problem no is because really. they have a, they because hold they office. Yeah. That people you believe know, it. Some people, those people believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's become and, a trusted source. And, and also, outrage people. is an ATM machine for um, news outlets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she again, knows, like, again. guys, you want the you want those twenty dollar bills? Yeah. Uh, print my stuff. Mm, yeah. Anything oh. with the word pedophilia in it is yeah. going to get just going to get that outrage machine going. Anyway, now it's time for Did You Get Our Picks? We tell you what we like, what we really, really like. Yeah, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. <laughs> I'm going to do some picks now that hopefully bring us out of this gloom, and they all link to some stuff that I've been talking about with um, Amy and Michael and, and Meredith today. All of us. Oh, dear God. Um, books. You said something in one of your uh, Instagram uh, comics about how uh, finding a good book is um, – and I want to say that thing right. Suboxone for the iPhone. It's the you discovered the Michael Connolly oh, yeah. novels. Anything yeah. to get you out of that binary of outrage and shock and stuff. Something that's as addictive, but it's not online. It's not online. <laughs> yeah. And and even though yes, Michael Connolly is not writing great literature, but he's an amazing storyteller, and he just makes you turn pages. And it's a great. He's clearly done an enormous amount of research yes. too. Like he's he's done a lot of like ride-alongs, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. it's it's pretty obvious. So it, it, yeah, he keeps your interest for sure. Well, I have discovered. But you introduced me to John D. McDonald. Yes. Who, my God, you yeah. know, almost has like a you know Raymond Chandler esque mm-hmm. you know oh, sort of Ray- word oh, yeah, word usements. Yeah, <laughs> although um, there there have been times when we've traded a couple of clips from. Certain John D. McDonald novels, even though he was writing them in the early '60s and completely anticipated um, the the uh, the ecological movement, the green movement, yeah, and yeah. anti um, 
uh, the overdevelopment, overdevelopment. Of mm-hmm. Then there's some thoughts about women and yeah. men. That well, like, he's pretty sure that he could take a traumatized woman and just with some <laughs> some sweet magical love making and, and on, making making her polish the bright work on his boat, like will heal her of every. Her that's whole euphemism, past. right? Yeah, exactly. If yeah, you just need to be fucked on a houseboat. Yeah. That was yeah, that's apparently what you needed. Well, I found um, a similar series, Mick. Heron's um, Slough House series, the first one being Slow Horses. And the reason that I'm reading it is because there's an, a new Apple TV show called Slow Horses. Oh, I wanted to watch that. I saw that. It is so up my alley. It is burned out, angry British spies. Ugh, um, it, is, it is because um, I've read all the Jean Le Carre. I got no George Smiley left. And thank <laughs> God this guy came along with um, the character uh, Lamb, who is. This, even imagine George Smiley as an uh, an alcoholic who will not stop farting and tormenting <laughs> his coworkers. Literally, he wow. part of the plot is him farting in the office and then going, ah, "You might not want to come in here." Oh my um, god! And it's and he's played by uh, Gary Oldman, who on the show looks like he actually died, and then they dug him up a few days later, <laughs> and then Lord. let him. He looks so disgusting. Fantastic. But he's but you also it takes you out to realize. Oh no, he's actually a genius. He just—it's—it's it's his Columbo thing of I'm going right. to be so obnoxious that I get things out of people because they don't realize yeah. it. They think they're, it's safe to say a something. lot of misdirection. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, well, no one listens to this asshole, right. and so and so that's my and there's a whole series of these books, and I'm about to dive into them. That's my suboxone is the Slough House books, starting with Slow Horses. Highly recommended. Um, comics. Well, the trade paperback. Of, uh, now, are you talking to when you do when you finally do your comic book or your trade paperback or your graphic novel? Will you both write and draw it? Or are you going to talk to an artist, or how do you want to do it? I would it? write and draw it. Yeah, your art is very evocative. I mean, it's good enough, <laughs> you know, because well, I, I mean, I have to say, there's a lot of there's a lot of comics out there. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm I I'm, 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 yeah, I'm not I'm not super, you know, I'm not. It doesn't come that easy to me, but that's why I'm practicing. But I, you know, but it's a long, lonely slog to write a graphic novel. Yeah, as as Joe Matt has demonstrated. I'm, oh yeah, God! Well, decades in the making. And maybe if he wouldn't illustrate some of the off hours of the slog, yeah. the comics uh-huh. would be yeah. nice. If you want to, if you want to read a graphic novel about how much a man can masturbate, Joe Matt is your Joe guy. Joe Matt's your guy. Yeah. Uh, How much can he masturbate? Well, <laughs> well I think at least eight times was a record. Eight, nine, uh, ten. I don't know. We don't need to talk about Joe Matt's masturbation. But well, yeah, I don't know. We, you know, I I did talk to an agent who you know felt like there would be interest in a book, and then but people always want you to just write a book, and I'm like, well, that's not. It's a totally different thing. Writing a graphic novel is wow. not writing a book. No. So, no, yeah, I, no. people aren't interested in a graphic novel anyway. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just do, put it out myself or something. Well, speaking of, or maybe you could leave it places. There you go. Yeah. People are fine. What is this? Just leave a page at a time. Speaking of trade paperbacks, the new um, trade paperback of uh, the comic Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton has come out. I talked about this on an earlier episode, but this is the collected thing, and it's brilliant. It's about... Six now grown-up child actors who used to be um, the sidekicks, different sidekicks on the TV shows and movies of this action star named Trigger Keaton, who's a a toxic combination of – imagine a combination of Burt Reynolds and 
Chuck Norris at his worst, and he was a complete asshole. Like, think of every bad 70s TV action show and 80s action movie, and they, they all played his various kid sidekicks in different projects, and he would always fire them because he was horrible. Now they've all grown up. Their lives, they're, they're completely scarred by the experience, and Trigger Keaton's been murdered. And he's a guy oh. that you're like, everyone wants to murder this guy. There's There, there could not be this more suspects. Right. And they got to figure out who actually killed him, even though they all hate him. Right. And so it's a great, and they, and they just like um, with, with your stuff of, they go back into, there's like fake TV guide ads for the shows that Love these it. kids Perfect. were on yeah. and who the psychics were. And it's a great look into the world of child actors, which um, uh, Meredith came out of unscathed, miraculously. Well, I married you. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's a little. <laughs> mm. um, by the way, you did some some child acting. No, I wouldn't call it acting. I would, <laughs> they put me in a thing and I was there. Put me in a thing and I was there. Aren't your, you, Chris, and Sean's framed pictures in an episode of Columbo? Yes, they are. That's, That's the awesome. coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. I'm Come on. There's one Peter episode Falcon that my father directed where they, they, they used our home as a set. Amazing. And, and so in the background, you see these pictures. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's the IRA gun running one. Yeah. I can't remember the yeah. title. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sinn Fein. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton is amazing, and uh, it's just a, a great. I'll, I'll probably buy you a copy and send because you'll just it's love a, it. I mean, I'm it's in, really super fun. into it already. Um, movies. I watched this a couple days ago. Um, I can't say why yet, uh, but it was a movie by uh, two guys, Kyle Marvin and Michael Angelo Covino. Get it? Uh, but it's a short comedy called The Climb. Oh, have you heard of The Climb? No. We. Yeah, it, no, the short comedy is not – The Climb is the movie they did before. Well, they they did it first as a short film, a little 10-minute film. Then they made it into a full-blown film. Everyone talked about, oh, it's one of the funniest first 10 minutes of a film. The whole movie is hilarious, so cringy about two guys who are friends and the one friend clearly does not like that the other guy is uh, getting married and going on with his life and would like to maybe sabotage it and keep them in perpetual early 20s. And there's a scene at the beginning where they are on a they're on bikes and they're going up a hill and it's all done in one shot. It's one of the funniest and cringiest moments I've ever seen in a comedy. You'll love it. It's called The Climb. Can't wait. Oh, so good. Um, and then uh, and those are my picks. Now, Amy, you're on tour, right? I don't know. This will drop in a couple weeks. You're on tour. Yes. Throughout the spring. Yes. Yes. How do we find your tour dates? We go to amyman.com. Amyman.com. Amyman.com, where you can watch uh, the video uh, that you did uh, for um, Suicide is Murder uh, that uh, Rachel... uh, Oh, she did a video for um, uh, ICU, which is amazing. Okay. Oh, no, who did the Suicide is Murder one? uh, Robin Paloma. and uh, James Urbaniak is in that. His James so Urbaniak is, is. So good. is so great. Oh, and Rachel Lichman did the um, uh, video for a, a revival, a revival yeah. Yeah. which is uh, if you if you're a fan of the Parallax View, you will love the video for a revival. Uh, go seek it out. And uh, Michael, what do you have coming up? Are you are there soundtracks you're working on that you can't talk about, or you can? Uh, I have soundtracks coming up. I probably shouldn't talk about them because mm-hmm. I don't know it, whether. I don't want to be the first one to talk about it. Right, 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 right. 
Uh, what I'm else trying am I doing? to get Michael to consider playing live somewhere. Oh, oh please, I would love well, to I'm, see that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do a little songwriting. I, I wrote a little bit during the pandemic, which a, a revival yeah. is from. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get some, some. some Just a some song at Largo. Just Just but I think I'll be spending most of my time rewatching Severance and taking notes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, so this Thursday is the finale. Yeah. Yep. How that show. It's, it's the greatest. There's so much stuff going on. You guys are amazing. There's, oh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having to the us. show. You make us sound way more interesting than no, we feel. No, it's you are you are way more interesting than you're acting. <laughs> and and again, it's always good to like check in with you guys because like oh yeah, you, you are. You're two of my uh, people that I like to check in with to go, oh, that's right. I'm not going insane. Other people are seeing this. It's not just me. Yeah. So thank you for being that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast that you can listen to because that's how podcasts work. Yay. And, um, yeah, see you later. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you. This podcast is a production of Meredith Salinger and Patton Oswalt. In association with Starburns Audio. Executive producers are Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. And if you have questions for us, send them to... Hey, did you get my text? At gmail.com. And don't forget, subscribe to this podcast. It's free and it helps us get to keep making the show. Starburns Audio. A podcast. A podcast network.